Well, there you are. I'm so glad you're here. It's good to see you this morning. Uh, thank you for being a part of our worship today. It's uh, always good to see our uh, church folk here, but it's also good when we have those who are our special guests. So thank you so much for being a part of our worship today. Uh, don't know if you picked up a bulletin or not, uh, but I hope you did. All the announcements in there are uh, very important and uh, need to, your attention, so make sure you're aware of all that's going on. Uh, two things I want to uh, call your attention to, one of them being that uh, immediately following our service today, our family ministries team is going to be meeting. Uh, we're feeding you since we're meeting right after church, but instead of meeting in the fellowship hall, we're going to meet in the youth building. So uh, if you're staying for the family ministries team meeting uh, after service today, if you'll just make your way to the youth building and uh, we'll get you something good to eat and then we'll start talking about where we're headed as far as our youth and our children's ministries go. Uh, also, you'll notice in your bulletin that next Sunday uh, is our back to school uh, celebration or back to school bash. We're going to be doing that at 6.30 next Sunday afternoon, and we'll be out on the back lawn. We've got inflatables. We've got food. Uh, I'm, we're going to try something. Uh, how many of you ever played the game horse on a basketball court? Okay, all right. Well, we're, to shorten it, we're calling it pig, all right? So we're going to have a pig tournament. We're going to find out who is our best uh, shooter in the church when it comes to basketball. So uh, if you want to be a part of that, we're going to have that tournament out there on the basketball court. We'll have cornhole, uh, have popcorn and snow cones, and I don't know. We'll find something else to put out there too. But I hope you'll stay for that or come back for that next Sunday and invite your, your family members, your friends. We're giving away school supplies uh, we have plenty of that. You've been very gracious in your donations, and thank you for that. Uh, we're going to be able to bless every child that comes uh, with school supplies, and if there are any left over, we'll be donating those to uh, the local school. So uh, the children are going to be blessed by it either way. So I hope that you'll be uh, in, in planning to be a part of that back-to-school bash, inviting people to come. That's the key. That's the key. You've got to invite people to come. And listen, don't just tell them they need to come and then you stay at home. Bring them with you. Meet them here, okay? Uh, that's the important thing. Introduce them to some folks. Uh, make sure that they have an opportunity uh, to get to meet our great folks by uh, first name. And that will make a difference uh, in, in how they feel when they're amongst us. So that's next Sunday. Uh, let's see, uh, Brandon had an announcement about this afternoon and I was running out the back door to get a bulletin and I, I know he said something. Oh, starting the new, uh, starting the new discipleship group. That's what he wanted me to make sure you knew about. Uh, it's in your bulletin. Make sure you contact him if you want to be part of that new discipleship group. There we go. Tell him I, I, I made his announcement, Okay. He's going to get your food. That's why he's not here right now. So uh, he's taking care of that. Let's take a moment to pray together. Our Father and our God, we thank you so much for this day. Uh, we thank you for the Lord's Day that has been set aside for us to come together and to enjoy 
fellowshipping with one another, to be able to lift our voices together, to proclaim your, your majesty and your glory, to be able to open up your word and study from it. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the privilege that it is to be in this place right now. And Lord, we know that it's so easy to take this privilege of what we're doing right now in this place. It's so easy to take it for granted. But Lord, we're mindful of the fact that there are many who would love to be able to be here today but cannot be here because of health issues, because of of other things going on in their life that prohibits them and hinders them from being here. Lord, we know that there are those around the world that would love to be able to publicly assemble to worship you, but they, they, they're not allowed to do so by fear of retribution from the law. And Lord, we thank you that we have this privilege, and we, we pray, God, that we'll never take this privilege for granted. We pray that you would be with all of our people who are uh, suffering, those that are struggling, Lord, I, I pray for that one that's got to make those tough decisions about some surgeries and other things coming up. Lord, you know who all these people are. You know all the needs that they have. You have a plan. You have a purpose. You have a will. And we pray, oh God, that your plan, purpose, and will will be carried out to the fullest. That whatever the struggle may be that these individuals may be in right now, that you're going to be glorified in it that your name is going to be exalted through that struggle. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for your great love toward us. And we ask you to guide us in our time together today. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. I invite you to stand and let's sing some praises together.
Thank you, Kevin. <laughs> it is. The screen. <laughs> Sorry. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, thank you so much for this time. And uh, as Brother Ashley put it a little bit ago, you've got it, God. Uh, you've got it. And for those in this place that are have heavy hearts, heavy minds, will you just remind them today, Lord, that you've got it. And I pray that everything that goes on in the remainder of the service as we continue the music with what Pastor Tommy says and our tithes and offerings, may it all be pleasing to you. And we ask and pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
God's people said, amen. Thank you for your singing. I invite you to be seated. Well, thank you for your singing this morning. If you have your Bibles, would you join me in the book of Philippians? Philippians chapter number 3. Philippians chapter number 3. As we continue in the Anchored Life series. Today we're going to be looking at verses 12 through 16. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 16. Paul, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us, therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude. And if in anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. However, let us keep living by that same standard to which we have attained. Let's pray. Lord, it's always an honor, a privilege when we can open up the inerrant, the infallible, the inspired Word of God. And we can study from these, these words because, Lord, we understand that these are so much more than just words written on a page in a book. But these are words of truth, words of life, words of hope. That, Lord, when we allow these words that we read to be ingrained upon our heart, to be inscribed upon our soul, that, Lord, it strengthens us. It molds us. It shapes us to be more like our Savior, Jesus Christ. So, Lord, today we pray that your work will accomplish its its perfect work in us, that your will would be done in us according to your word. For we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Many years ago now, a large group of European pastors came to see D.L. Moody, who was a great pastor, Bible teacher. And they came to see him at one of the Northfield Bible Conferences in Massachusetts. In fact, this probably took place somewhere in the mid-1800s. Following the European custom of the time, as each guest went into their hotel room, they put their shoes outside of their room in the hallway to be cleaned by the hall servants overnight. But this is America. And our hotels had no hall servants. Walking through the dormitory 
halls that night, Moody saw the shoes sitting outside those rooms, and he determined not to embarrass his European brothers. He mentioned to some of his staff that there were shoes that needed to be cleaned, but no one was willing to do it. They, they only gave him silence and pious excuses. So Moody chose to go back to that dorm. He gathered up the shoes, and alone in his room, the world-famous evangelist began to polish the shoes of his brothers. And only the unexpected arrival of a friend in the midst of while he was doing that revealed his secret. When the foreign visitors opened their doors the next morning, their shoes were shined, and they never knew by whom. Moody told no one but his friend who had visited him while he was doing that told a few people, and during the rest of the conference, it inspired, it inspired other men to become hall servants and to shine the shoes while the visitors were there. You see, what we find throughout Scripture is that God has called his children to be servants. Jesus is a servant. He wants us to be servants. And in the life of D.L. Moody, we see it closely mirroring the, the life of Christ because Jesus did something similar. John 13 tells us that Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands had come from, and he had come from God, he was going back to God. He rose from supper. He laid aside his garments and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist and he poured water into a basin and he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. My point this morning is that servanthood is a part of following Jesus. It's a part of being a Jesus follower. And Paul understood this. Paul grasped that idea that being a child of God wasn't about looking for others to serve us, but looking for others to serve. And part of that anchored life and being rooted and grounded in Scripture, it is a call for us to be servants. So today, I, I want to look at our passage of Scripture and notice this profile of, of what Paul says a godly servant is going to look like. The first thing that we see is the servant's attitude. We see that in verse number 12 where he begins by saying, Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold for that which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. There's, there's two attitudes here in that one verse that Paul makes crystal clear to us. The first one simply being that a, a, a godly servant, a, a Christ-following servant is humble. Paul is quick to point out, I haven't got it all together. I haven't reached that pinnacle yet. 
I, I, I want to and I'm striving to, but I haven't got there yet. I don't have it all together. I haven't got it all figured out. Many would look at the Apostle Paul and they would say, if anyone had it all together, if anyone had it all figured out, it would most likely be the Apostle Paul. If anyone's got the, the, the upper leg on this thing, Paul does. Then Paul, Paul pauses for a second. He says, well, I don't have it all together. And I don't have it all figured out. That's humility. It would have been easy for him to, to boast of all that he had accomplished, it would have been easy for him to boast of all the places where he had planted churches. It would have been easy for him to boast and say, look at all the people I've led to Christ. He, it would have been easy for Paul to boast of how God had used him, but instead he says, wait a minute, I don't have it all together. I haven't got it figured out. I just, I just haven't got there yet. A true servant realizes that They are still in the transformation process. They're still in the transformation process. It began the moment you gave your life to Christ, and it will continue until the day Christ calls you home. Whether by the rapture or by death, that's when your your transformation is complete. But until then, you're a work in progress, and I'm a work in progress. And part of that is understanding that I don't have it all together. You see, a lot of times, here's what we say. I would be a whole lot more active as far as serving other people, especially in ministry outside of the church, if, if, I, if I could just get it all together because I know I'm going to be asked questions that I, I don't know the answers to. They're going to, they're, they're going to ask me about uh, certain things that I'm not really up on, and, and I don't want to be caught off guard. Well, if you're waiting till you get it all together to serve, you'll never serve. There's always a need to grow more in spiritual maturity. Humility causes us to look at ourselves honestly and realize that we still have room to grow. There's still room for me to mature. That my faith can still grow stronger. That there's still another level for me to attain. There's still something for me to reach for. There's still a level of of righteousness and understanding that God is calling me to. I, I can't just sit down and say, well, I've, I've gone as far as I want to go and I've done all I want to do and I'm good right where I am. Humility is a must because... It is that call of God to keep moving forward and instead of just sitting still. And hum- humility allows us to see that need. But that servant's not just humble, he's determined. Because he says in verse number 12, I haven't got it all together yet. I haven't got it all figured out. But then he says, but I am striving. I am pressing forward. I am pressing on. There's still a determination within me that I want to be more like Jesus tomorrow than I am today. I want to serve God more faithfully tomorrow than I've served Him today. There's that determination that I still have another level to attain. If there's one Wrong attitude that's hindering the building of God's kingdom on, on, on the planet today, and especially in America. It is spiritual apathy. 
we've, we've lost our determination to continue growing spiritually. We've become complacent with who we are, where we are, and what we are, and we've just quit trying. The New York Times came out with a study. Now, that's, I want you to understand, we're not talking about a Christian publication. New York Times came out with a study that said that according to all the statistics that they could, they could gather from all the different polling and all the different uh, places that gather this type of information, that over 4 million people, 4 million people that went to church in 2019 don't go to church now. 4 million Americans that went to church in 2019 do not go to church in 2023. Did you know that since 2019 that First Baptist Church of Locust has seen a drop of 35 to 40% in attendance? 35 to 40% for us. There's others that may have lost less. There's others who may have lost more. What does that say about us as a society? What does it say about us as, a, as, as the body of Christ and the believers? It says that we have become so complacent, we've become so apathetic, that we have just sat down and we said, I'm done, I don't want to do this anymore, I'm, I'm, I'm saved, I'm on my way to heaven, and if I have to get in by the skin of my teeth, I'm happy doing it. Paul says, I will not... I will not settle for that. Paul says, I am determined that I am going to be more like Jesus tomorrow than I was yesterday, and I'm going to be more like Him next week than I am this week, and I'm going to be more like Him with every day that God allows me to breathe. I'm going to be more like that, more like Jesus than I was the day before. He refused to sit down. He refused to be quiet. He refused to stop. He refused to become complacent. And if ever there was a person where complacency was warranted, he is it. By the time we're reading this, he's been shipwrecked. He's been beaten within one lash of his life. He has, he has been beaten with stones. He is now imprisoned twice. If there's anyone who had a right to say, you know what, I'm done with this. Uh, it's just getting too hard. Uh, listen, he ain't talking about getting up on, he's not talking about get up on Sunday morning and go to church. Listen, he's talking about, I, I'm, I'm getting tired of serving every single day because it's costing me something. But in the middle of all of this, as he's sitting in a Roman prison, he said, I absolutely, positively refuse to be complacent. Refuse to let apathy settle into my life. Can I ask you something? And you don't have to answer to me, but God already knows the truth about this, so He's, he's wanting you to look at it. Have you become apathetic, spiritually speaking? See, so you say, well, I'm here, aren't I? Yes, you are, and thank you. God bless you for being here. But not just in coming into a church building but in the way you treat the things of God the way you treat your faith the way you you grow in your knowledge of Christ have you become apathetic have you become complacent 
with where you are. Paul was determined. Yes, he had reached a certain level. But he refused to stay there. It breaks my heart how little desire we see in the New Testament church in America today to grow spiritually. We think if we get up on Sunday morning and give God an hour, we've done something. That's spiritual apathy. You know why? Because God has given us every hour of every day. He gave us more than one. He gave us every hour of every day. And yes, we have jobs to go to and we have responsibilities in the home and outside of the home. Yes, we have children to raise and yes, we have all of these things that life demands of us. But even in the midst of all of life's demands, he's calling for us to be his servants in the middle of that and to love people in the middle of that and to show people Christ in the middle of that and to grow in our faith in the middle of that. He's called for us to continue growing. And not be spiritually apathetic. Paul says, I press on. I am not sitting down. I am not quitting. I am not satisfied with the status quo. So that profile of that servant begins with that attitude of humility, but also that attitude of determination. And, and, we move from the attitude of the servant to the ambition of the servant because then in verse 13 he says, Behold, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. He's repeating himself. But then he says, But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the high prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. His ambition, he, he wants to be something. He wants to be something in the kingdom of God. He wants to do something in the kingdom of God. His ambition is, is first of all, I've got to let go of the past. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you something. That is hard to do, isn't it? Isn't it hard to let go of the past? But he says, that's what I'm determined to do. I'm not going to let yesterday keep me from tomorrow. I'm not going to let... I'm not going to let all of my failings from the past keep me from moving forward. I'm not going to just give up and sit down because I messed up somewhere in my past. We can learn lessons from looking back, but we can't live there anymore. Resting on our past failures or even resting on our past success, it hinders us from moving forward with God's will for our life. So he said, there's one thing that I am, I am, I have got as my, my great ambition. That's to forget the past. He said, but th- th- there's something else here. He says, I'm, I'm going to embrace right now. I'm going to embrace right now. He tells us that he's reaching forward, leaning into what is right before him that reaching forward is like there's something right here that i can get my hands on it's in front of me it's right there in my grasp and i reach with all of my might and determination to grab a hold of it that's what he's talking about with the present 
That there is something God wants for me today that is right here within my grasp. But i got to reach for it. I need to make sure that I'm, I, I'm, I'm doing something about it. Instead of just saying, okay, God, if this is what you want, drop it on top of me. <laughs> Ain't that what we do? God, if, it, if, you want, if that's what you want, just kind of zap me or drop it on me or, or spill it on me or whatever you want to do, Lord, just, just throw it over here. And Paul said, no, 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 no. He always puts it right there. You know why? Because he wants you to want it so bad that you reach for it. It's the present. It's right here, right now. He is in prison. He doesn't know whether he has days to live, weeks to live, years to live. He doesn't know how much time he has left. But you know what he does know? I've got today. I've got here, I've got now, I've got where I'm at, I've got who I'm with, I've got the situation that I'm in, and God wants me to do something right where I am with who I'm with, with what I've got that will honor Him and glorify Him and help me bring more people to the kingdom. So that's why even sitting in a Roman jail cell, chained to a Roman guard 24 hours a day, he didn't stop doing what he could. That's where we find ourselves getting complacent. We always have excuses, don't we? Well, if I just had this, I could. Well, when I get finished with that, I can. Well, if, if I didn't just have this on my plate, if I, if I didn't just have this uh, that's going on in my life right now, I could. We're always looking for an excuse to do Nothing. When God says, I've put you where you are, with who you're with, with what you've got, because I want you to do something there that you couldn't do anywhere else. You know what Paul couldn't do anywhere else? Preach to the Roman praetorian guards. He couldn't do it anywhere except the Roman prison. That's the only place he could do that. And guess what he's doing while he's there? He could say, well, I would love to be able to preach. I would love to be able to share the gospel. But I've got these stinking chains on. And I'm, I'm tied to this brute guard over here. And I've got all this musty smell that I'm around. And I don't have access to this. And I don't have access to that. And, and I can't do this. And he could have just sat down and just sulked himself to death. But you know what he did? He did what God wanted him to do with where he was, with what he had, and with who he was with. And he made a difference. Every single day. He was leading Nero's private guard to the Lord Jesus Christ. He was surrounding Nero with born-again believers. You see, that's the determination to embrace the present. And then he began to anticipate the future. He said, there's, a, there's still that upward call that I have. Uh, and that upward call is to be more like Jesus every day, to walk more in his righteousness, to live and reflect him more in my life. And, and that's what I want to do tomorrow. He's looking toward the future. That upward call is to be more like Jesus. So that first characteristic of a 
godly servant is their attitude. And if there's one place that we need to check today, it's our attitude. It's what we what we believe about what God's calling us to do. We, we're always believing that God's calling other people to do something that He's calling us to do. Ain't that right, Brother Don? There's a second part of this profile, or third, excuse me, and that's the servant's aspirations. Verse 15 let us therefore, as many as are perfect. And no, he's not talking about sinless. He's talking about those who are born again. Let, let us who are perfect have this attitude. And if in anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal it so that, that also to you. However, keep, let us keep living by that same standard which we have attained. His aspiration was to maintain his high level of commitment. He knew it was too easy to become complacent. Listen, I know servants get tired. I understand that. The temptation is to slow down or even even stop. But he is praying that God will show him Every time his level of commitment begins to fade, that God will show it to him so he can bring it back up to where it honors God. He said, I want to maintain that high level of commitment. Yes, he gets tired. Yes, he gets weary. Yes, he gets discouraged. Yes, he gets all of these things. And he said, Lord, every time you see my commitment meter coming down a little bit, will you nudge me? Will you nudge me and call me back up? To where I'm supposed to be. And Lord, I I, want to be there. So Lord, I want to maintain that level of commitment so so that I can serve you and love you with every ounce and fiber of my being. And Lord, every time that meter starts dropping, wake me up. He wants and aspires to that level. And he wants to be true, stand true to his faith in Jesus. It was faith in Jesus that allowed him to receive God's forgiveness. And it will be faith in Jesus that keeps him going when it's so hard to keep going. It's faith that keeps us in our place of usefulness. It's faith. But we can't become complacent. I just, I'll just be honest with you. I, over the past several weeks, especially, I have just been so burdened for our church. It's not about numbers. Numbers are important because they represent souls and they represent people. So they are important, but it's not about numbers. We've lost our joy as a church. We've lost our excitement about serving Jesus as a church. We get more excited about a potluck dinner than we do coming to worship. You know, 
you know when things change? When we get tired of the way they are. That's when they change. But until we get tired of the way things are, there will be no change. As long as we're satisfied with the level of excitement we have now, we'll never be more excited. As long as we're satisfied with the level of joy we have right now, we'll never be more joyful. As long as we're satisfied with the the level of service we're giving, we'll never give more service. As long as we're satisfied with five kids in a Sunday school, an entire Sunday school wing on a Sunday morning, that's what we got, five kids in a Sunday school wing on a Sunday morning. And that's if two of them uh, that's in the same family aren't away somewhere. As long as we're happy with that, that's what we get. That's what we get. But what's it going to take for us as a body of believers to say, you know, I don't like the way things are right now. Can I tell you something? I don't like the way things are right now. I love you with my whole heart. I love you. And I'll take whatever blame I need to take for whatever I've done or not done. I'll take it. But I'm not happy with the way things are. I tried listening very carefully as we sang our just a little while ago. Nancy hears it probably better than anybody else and those that are in the praise team. On Sunday mornings, we have come to worship. But we sing like we're at a funeral. We sing with the energy of a fish flopping on the bank about to lose its life. (laughs) You know, we do. You 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 know what's become one of my favorite times of the week now? Wednesday nights. We're going through the book of Revelation. We're somewhere about chapter 19 where the marriage supper of the Lamb. And we're talking about when Jesus rides out on that big stallion. And the whole world sees him and they understand maybe for the very first time in their life. Even though they've been told over and over again that that's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he's coming and we're coming with him. Can I tell you something? We have joy on Wednesday nights because we see ourselves on white steeds coming with Christ. But then we come to Sunday morning. And we drag in. And we sing. We shake somebody's hand. How you doing? Oh, well, I guess I'm doing okay. Let's not be complacent or apathetic. Don't settle for where you are right now spiritually there's so much more that God wants to do in you and in your life and in your family and in this church and in this community there's so much more that God wants to do that he's waiting for us to wake up and get to it he's just waiting on us He's already there working. He's already putting everything in place. He's already orchestrating all of the parts that need to be there. He's just waiting for us to show up. Let's have the the attitude of a servant. Let's, Let's have the anticipation of a 
servant, the aspirations of a servant. And let God do something in us that only God can do. I'm praying for revival in our church. I don't know what that's going to look like. I don't know what's got to happen to spark it. But I'm praying for revival in our church. That God will reinstill with us the joy of our salvation. He'll reinstill in us the celebration of who He is. That He reinstill in us the desire to sing to Him, to know Him, to, to worship Him, to give Him our all, to serve Him. No matter what it looks like, that God gives us that. That's what I want. I've got some wonderful prayer cards on my desk given to me by one of our prayer warriors that was dropped in my box, and she don't even know that I know she gave them to me. And it talks about praying for revival. And I pray with her on that. We're just a moment, we're going to stand, we're going to sing. This is going to end our, our time together this morning. We'll... We'll mosey on out of here and find a bite to eat somewhere. If you're going to be with the family ministries team, we're going to be out in the fellowship hall. But are you satisfied where you're at? Are you satisfied with everything just like you are right now, spiritually speaking? Because as long as you're satisfied with the way things are, nothing is going to change. Let's pray. Father... Forgive us. Forgive me. Well, Lord, we've just kind of kind of rested back on our heels. Started making excuses for all the things we're not doing or things that we're not doing well. Lord, we're just we're just looking for a reason to stay where we are. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive us. Lord, we need you. We need a fresh wind of revival in our church. We need the joy of our salvation restored to us. We need the excitement of serving the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We need that hunger and that burning desire within us to to serve our brothers in Christ, to serve the lost in the community around us. We need that hunger, Lord. We need it. You're the only one that can give it, God. You're the only one that can restore these things. And Lord, we need it so desperately. So Lord, forgive us of where we have become apathetic and complacent, where we've stopped reaching forward, where we've stopped moving toward that that call that you've placed on our life. Lord, we've stopped looking for tomorrow because we're so satisfied with today. Fill our hearts and our minds with dreams and visions of what you want done, Lord. Fill us with the excitement not just of what is, but what is to come. For those who love you and serve you with their whole heart, Lord, revive us is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.
Let's stand together as we sing.
Well, thank you so much for being here today. God bless you. I hope you know that I love you and I appreciate you. Uh, I really do. Um, I was thinking this morning while we were singing, Nancy, it used to be there were times when I would stand there and we were singing and the spirit would be so strong I, could, I couldn't keep my hands down. I mean, I couldn't keep them down. No matter how hard I tried, they just they were just going to go up. I want to feel that again. And I know it's not about a feeling. I get it. I get it. It's not about a feeling. But it's about the presence of Almighty God that inhabits the worship of His people. That's what it's about. Thank you again for being here. Um, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to bless food. So you can eat when you get out there, okay? And remember, it's youth building. Youth building. That's right. Um, so you're doing a presentation, so we'll let you get in the front of the line. All right, let's, let's pray together, and we'll be dismissed. Uh, thank you again for being here. Father God, once we've tasted of that great joy that your presence brings... Lord, we hunger for it over and over again. Lord, help us never to lose that hunger, that desire to to worship you, to serve you, to know you more, to be your light in a dark world. Lord, please don't don't ever let us lose that. Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for every person that makes up this church. Light a fire among us, Lord that will not only consume us as this body, but that will ignite this community in a revival as well. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We give you honor. We give you glory. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.